And welcome back to another episode of Blossom Down. We are your hosts. I am Steve. He is Wally. He is David. Before I toss it over to the boys to see how their weekend was, we want you to know this episode is brought to you by Tabbies.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market. T-A-B-E-A-S-E.com. Make sure you use promo code FOOTBALL for 20% off that order as well as free shipping. It has been too long. I feel like I haven't done or been on this podcast for about a month just as long as Green Bay's losing streak, which is finally to an end. That's either here nor there because we're going to get there. But, boys, first and foremost, thank you so much for holding it down. I know I was a headache with the Vegas trip. I had the flu here a little bit, but you guys held it down strong. Shout out to Wally with the biggest kahunas that we have. This dude flew back and recorded and edited within a 12-hour span post-Vegas trip. Don't know how the guy does it, but he does. And David just had to pick up a dead bird. He did confirm he saw wires buzzing out of its neck when he had to pick it up. For the birds aren't real people out there. It is true. But boys, how are we doing? It's been too long. Again, thank you so much for what you've done over the past two weeks with me gone. It's not true. The birds are real. I just picked up a dead one and threw it out in my driveway. Wally, I you, I know Allegedly. you're about to there, so go ahead. I made it okay. I made up the wires, but he cannot confirm nor deny if, if there were or were not wires. They could have replaced the bird on the ground, too. I mean, it's not exactly that difficult. They're thinking ahead. Yeah. I so love that you're fueling this. Well, <laughs> I, I, it's come to the point where now that it's been around for so long in this show, I think I just have to steer into it. I, I, I just have to start saying it's true. Kind of like how that bird was steering into David's backboard, and that's why he was on the driveway. Well, you know, if, if carbon life wasn't real, it'd make a lot more sense too, because I've had a good weekend from a non-sports aspect, a good week. It's been great. It's good to see you, Steven. It's great to have you back. I wish I wasn't here for Raiders losing streaks because I just wouldn't be on the podcast anymore. I'm done with football, but we'll get into that later. I would like to hear how your last week has been, Steven and, and David, how you're doing beyond finding dead animals in your driveway or alleged animals i'm doing great actually last saturday i had a little casino night party at my house that wally unfortunately couldn't make it to but it was actually really fun played blackjack and crafts all night and everyone got drunk and and it was a good time but i'm good steven it's been over a week how are you I am good. Um, wait, first off, before I move on, did you hire people to like come in and run a casino night? Did you have people that you just know that didn't want to gamble? How'd that work? So how the night worked is, um, so I, at a different casino night, I actually bid on like a silent raffle, which was to this casino night. So I had a dealer basically for free with two tables that I could choose from for free. And then I chose to pay another dealer he had a hundred bucks for like two and a half hours. So I had two full-time dealers, one who taught craps at first to everyone and then ran the table the whole night. And then one that just ran blackjack the whole night. So all in all, it really only cost me a hundred bucks to pay for the dealer, but you could, I had it. So people who wanted to play with money could play with money and people who didn't, didn't have to. And basically what happened is, is I seeded a pot of like $200 and if you played with money, you just whatever money you threw in went into the pot. And then at the end of the night, whoever had the most chip, you could buy back in. So for like 20 bucks, you get another like $20 worth of chips or something. But at the end of the night, whoever played with money, we counted up their chips. We gave them the like raffle tickets based on the chips. And then the raffle tickets were all put into like a big bag, 
shuffled up and then we picked a second place and first place. And so at the end of the night, it was like the winner was uh, actually Zach Leonetti. He won oh, $700. Get out. Good yeah, for he won $700 was first place. And then second place was 330 which went to um, my girlfriend's niece. Oh, so this was all under the table. I see what you did. This is all to get your buddies like and your girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, <laughs> I got what you're doing. I like oh, that. I, you know, taking, it was a good I'm time. Everyone had a chance to win something. And, like, you know, you didn't have to play with money if you want it. Like, you know, if you didn't think it was worth it. And you could just play with fake money and fake chips and call it a day. But it was a good night. Everyone had a – at least I think everyone had a blast. But it felt like everyone had a blast. <laughs> that sounds think- good. I'm writing that down. Could you imagine if – if you had like a casino night at a wedding, like that was part of the deal, like dance floor, food, little casino night. That'd be a boatload of fun. But uh, no, I so I actually I took that. My sister was there, too. And we were talking. We we're like, we should do this for our family Christmas party. It would just like dawned on us like this is a perfect idea, like two blackjack tables and a craps table or something for people to learn our entire family Christmas, which is like 40 people strong could have a good night with it. But I, I'm thinking about doing that casino night annually after the success of this past weekend and rolling with maybe expanding it a little bit, but potentially just rolling with what we did just over and over and over again every year. I know that this is where it gets a little crazy, I, but it's a, it's a, your own small party. I can't imagine it's like law enforcement going to care or anything. Imagine having like two or three buddies that would be the book and having a sports book where they just run the lines, the same lines, whatever sports book they have. But it's they have their money on the line is the book. It could be basically a giant win for them because typically the book comes out on top. Yep. But on the off day that that 85% of the money is going against them, it could be a really bad day for those couple guys. But that's just another thought. I'm like, imagine you have your own sports book. You're sitting on a freaking couch in your own house with a fake little money ticket on the Raiders to, to cover four and a half against a high school red coach. Exactly. Just rip it up. No problem. Just, just thoughts, just thoughts. I actually had two. Um, I had two parlays that were, I had, I put a parlay in last Monday before I left Vegas. It's just like, all right, this is my fuck it parlay. So on the way to work today, I, I got to rip up a bet sleeve. I'm like, Oh, it's like, I never left. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, we've not, we did not do great. We'll say that the crew has had better no. days. Yeah, so overall in Vegas, I did well with the sports gambling and anything I did well with money-wise, I just got bent over at the tables. I've never had as many 13 and 14s that I had. And when I was hot and extremely drunk, I knew how to blow that quick. And I know that Wally can attest to it because she was behind me the whole time saying, Stephen, what are we doing? And I was just riding the energy. What energy? I have no idea, but I, I just remember waking up and being like, Wally, why didn't you do that? I did. Well, why didn't you do I did. We well, almost ended you, up in jail. I did. Because I literally was like getting ready oh, to like pull you, you off the table, and we were going to literally just fight in the casino together. Because I'm like, dude, you're doing like, you, you were up, like without going into details unless you want to do it, you were up a, a good amount of money. I was probably like, up like 250, 300, 350. No, you, you'd have no, I went in there with them. 200. I went in yeah. there with 200. I'm telling you, dude, there was a point where when they got up from the table, you were up like four or 500. And we were like, all right, man, sounds great. And you lost, you know, you, I, it's fine because you're going to eventually fall back a little. And I'm like, all right, cool. You lose that next 100. Not a problem. You're up like three. Let's move out. Let's call today. And you were just hell bent. Doesn't hurt. And Vegas knows what they're doing. Golden nugget out there. 
beautiful, beautiful woman is dealing to you, which couldn't have hurt. You're not exactly like pushing away. I thought the energy was good. I thought the energy was good. And boy, was I wrong. You know, you know, and this is, and it's obviously my fault here, but the, the main thing was I go in there expecting to lose and not caring if I lose any money. And that's, what's wrong. Cause yep. I got to a point where we were, that's that particular day we were getting after it early. Like, I mean, I, w- I woke up, took a shower, cracked a beer and was sitting next to Wally at nine 30 watching football. And yeah. And I was miserable watching uh, our over bet. The only bet that could ruin the entire day fall apart because you and I didn't decide to look up the weather where there's like a 50 mile an hour gust at Northwestern shame on us. Yeah, that was, that was rough after that, got the flu for a couple of days, got my ass kicked by that. And then, uh, you know what? I'm back stronger than ever. Now got some beer in my system on Saturday, got the juices flowing. I got, have a little bit of a reboot. So now I'm good. Ready back to talk about football and I'm here, baby. I am here. Before we get into football, though, David did something for the 100th episode, which I thought was cool, and I know he wanted to ask you a couple questions as well, because while we haven't grown like we want to, it's a milestone. Like You have to at least acknowledge it happened. Absolutely. Yeah, and like it is a lot of work. I said that a few weeks ago, and I know you bust your ass too. I know you both do, so it makes it extra special that it's the three of us doing this week in and week out. But David, I want to throw it over to you. I know you you want to read some of these questions, so I'll, I'll mute myself. Let's hear from you guys for a little while. You know, as Wally mentioned, we did this in the 100th episode, but now that Steven's back, we need to ask him the same question. So in terms of podcast recap, Steven, I said it in our 100th episode, but this is yours and Wally's baby. Looking back on 101 previous episodes, I mean, what's been your favorite or proudest moment? I mean, I think just the 100th episode right there. It's like one of the proudest moments because like when me and Wally were thinking about this and then when we kind of found each other and we just connected the way that we did and we're like, fuck it, let's do this. And sure, me, David could work our ass off here, but no one understands the work and what Wally puts into this. And he's really, this is our baby, but this is like Wally secretly like pushing away like, no, bitch, this is my baby in a good way, not calling anybody out, but the way that just the grind that he puts on here that brings us back every single week, that's what it. That's what it is. My proudest moment was early on. It was just that me calling something and it just coming to fruition. And I nailed everything. It was about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the year they won the Super Bowl. I was on them. I was wow, I, I forgot was, about that. That's a great call. Talking about how their defense was like one of the most legendary ones in like all of football, just being on top of that. So for some for us to just be complete morons talking about football now twice a week, for you to nail the just nail it on the head right off the bat. And Wally obviously has had a few of those. I've had some bad ones, which we're going to get to. But I think that with that and just the overall grind and keeping the consistency up with the show, it's one of my proudest moments. It's rough, right? Let's be real here. Like no one's really right now. There's certain not maybe not right now. There's certain weeks we're getting off on Monday. We're like, fuck this. Like both, all three of our teams suck. We're miserable. We're all painting on the face, but it's just like football practice. We all hate it. But then once we get in there and run that first, you know, run the first drill, you're like, all right, we're in here, baby. Let's fucking ride. That's so perfectly set up because like going into tonight, as you'd imagine, I'm sure David, you had similar thoughts. The last thing I wanted to do today was study what happened yesterday and be prepared to talk about it. And then as soon as the three of us see each other and we're able to start talking, I mean, you heard that intro. We talked for 10 minutes about nothing, where before the show, we're all kind of in that 
All right, let's make it a quick show tonight. Let's get in and get out. And then it's just infectious once you get here. So that's a great answer, Stephen. Appreciate yeah, it. Perfect. All right. So in terms of podcast recap, last question here. What has been your biggest we will never do that again moment? Uh, I know Wally said on the 100th episode it would it was, uh, you know, working till eight o'clock in the morning after finishing up a podcast at 8 p.m. at night. But what's your we will never do that again moment or what's your you know least favorite moment of the podcast? This is rough. Probably my, my least favorite, obviously, is just any time in the offseason where me and Wally are just kind of putting our dicks together and, see, and seeing what's going to stick, right? You know, especially when it's like dead. That, that wow, one's, that's, a, that that's one's, a good description there. I, <laughs> yeah, and you're welcome for those at home who know us. You know, to be honest with my biggest, we will never do it again. It's it's kind of hard because there hasn't been like one segment or like one particular thing that I look back on. I'm like, yeah, I definitely never want to do that again because it's something new. And if it doesn't work great, but there's nothing that I've actually hated that we've kind of gone back on. Um, I know Wally's was the prop lock and drop. It. I know he wasn't a fan of that wink calling you out here a little bit, but overall there, I don't think that I could, I think I can confidently say, I don't have anything that, we would never do again outside of betting on particular teams like the Los Angeles Chargers over or the Atlanta Falcons right now. Some outside of like actually gambling, I don't think that no regrets, baby. No regrets. <laughs> I love it. I think you're gonna have a few later when we get to season recap, which I'm gonna move into now. But you know, we're a little <laughs> we're actually technically we are exactly halfway through the season, right? We're at it's post week nine. Right. Well, yeah, what this is week 10 we're just past halfway through the season um you know again this is something i did with wally in episode 100 so we got to hear your answer steven too coming into the season we all made some wild predictions some true some that are so horrifically wrong that you know we don't want to talk about them anymore what were you most wrong about 10 weeks ago in comparison to how confident I was compared to you two, I think it's going to be the Denver Broncos. But I think as a whole, the end of the AFC West, which I I feel like Wally probably nailed on that. You know, I was dead wrong about the Raiders. I was dead ass wrong about Russ and the Broncos, where Wally kind of hit the nail on the head on there. The Chargers are just really kind of eh. I mean, the Chiefs are kicking ass, which I think that we all were on there. I was just ready to start waving that flag of like they suck if they go on like a two game losing streak. That and I feel like there's one really big one this year that I just completely whipped on that I can't think of. And I was thinking about it the other day on the way to work. And I was like, holy shit, was I so wrong? It'll probably come back to me or Wally's probably got it loaded up here. Well, no, no. I was going to say you kind of got, I told you this in Vegas, you kind of hid in the weeds, so to speak, because David took all the heat for Gino, but you weren't exactly a Gino supporter either you're right but I knew when I was wrong way quicker than David David you was did. still laughing you, you on the first off. couple weeks and then he's like shit okay I pulled a cow and coward I had to fucking die on the hill just in case <laughs> but you know here I I for the last like four weeks I've been consecutively saying how wrong yeah, I was and so. I've been I've been waving the the truce flag this is a mm -hmm. a Gino podcast we're all on the same side now yeah um all right so on the flip side of that Steven what were you most right about? And I think I already know your answer, but we and the whole oh, yeah. the whole podcast has got to hear you gloat now. I still want to shut the hell up about it this past week. And shout out to my Eric Blue, my boy Skinny as well, turning 30. 
the Miami Dolphins. I think I saw, I felt like I saw that from a mile away and I was really high on it. And everyone kept calling me crazy because they kept thinking about two. I'm like, dude, it's Mike McDaniels that I'm so high on. Added with Tyreek Hill. I was really happy about that. And as of right now, the Minnesota Vikings winning the division. I was so ahead of that. All right. Honestly shocked you didn't take the Dolphins just a little bit further because it feels like that was your similar to the Bucks pick from two years ago. But, so it's like, I don't know if I like would have them going all the way, but I definitely had them win- winning the East, which a little bit more than halfway through their, their number one right now. Um, I don't know if I talked about it on here, but I did take a, a season long bet of Mike McDaniels winning head coach of the year that he's not really getting a lot of talk about that. I think it's more or less of how two is playing. So it's more of a Tua MVP talk versus a Mike McDaniels head uh, coach of the year talk. But yeah, no, I'm going to keep riding on that. Those are my thins up, baby. This is where I can see why David was on the Gino sucks as long as he was. It's so hard, especially when you know this is going out, when you know you're wrong and the other person's right. It's so easy, but it's so difficult just to say I was wrong, you were right. And I'm still so wanting the Dolphins to go on like a three-game losing streak and be like justified in a sense. But even now, I still think the Bills will win the East. But at this point, it's like, dude – the Dolphins are one of the top three teams in the AFC without a question. There's a legitimate chance to come out of the AFC. And I have to admit I was wrong now. And that kind of sucks. Well, and it's the one time you actually pick on the bill. Cause you've been a bills hater. That's what, okay. There's, a, there's another thing I'm very proud of about the whole duration of the podcast. I've been always a pro Josh Allen guy. He's been an anti Josh Allen guy. And that, that's like my Geno Smith here. Cause now except it's like year, like two years while he's like, Nope, Nope. And like over the past year and a half, he's like, fuck. Okay flipping over like he's unbelievable i get that it's just like we see too many games that we saw on sunday i i just i need to see more consistency before i crown him like the whole world wants to i you know i'm right there with you wally i think he's phenomenal but his inconsistency his ceiling is probably as high as anyone including pat mahomes but then his floor is like worst quarterback in the nfl and it's like shocking how often we go from one end to another like we saw what literally that the afc divisional game last year was unbelievable best game ever and yesterday he basically gave a game away shouldn't have been playing right um all right we're gonna get to that game later because we're gonna have this discussion but yeah, a long game great point, when we great talk point. about that game steven what have been your biggest surprises halfway through the nfl season more a little past I mean, I'm just trying to find not a generic answer, right? You could say any of the New York teams, I think, are a surprise. We all knew Philly was going to be good, but no one can sit here and say 8-0 good. Like, if they win tonight, they're over on win. They're over win total caches. That is insane to me. I'm going to keep it home. The, the way Green Bay's been playing. Like, I understand and I knew that they were going to be bad, but the defense has been bad. Aaron Rodgers just hasn't really been good. I don't even know how to phrase it, just how lost – the front office of green Bay looks. And when you see something and you're like, Oh, there's no way they can give, it's like an episode of South park. It's like, there's no way these people are stupid. Oh my God. They're that dumb. Oh shit. They really are dumb. Oh, they are really, really that dumb. It just gets worse, worse and more exacerbated throughout the year where I'm just like, dude, what the hell is going on? Even though I shouldn't be surprised because I've seen it throughout my whole life. I think for right now, as especially as a Packers fan that, and I guess the Dallas Cowboys too, while we're on the subject, they're, I think they're a huge surprise. I did, I thought that they were going to get mollywopped in this division, and this division as a whole is a huge surprise to me. But the way that they've been playing with not really doing anything in the offseason, 
no additions. All they did was lost. Their only addition was a 33-year-old Anthony Barr who's just been declining over the last four years. It was really the only key addition or free agent they had. So th- those I know it's a few answers, but those are ones I have right there off the rip. No, I like them. All right, so last question in, in season recap section of the podcast today. Looking forward, the last half dozen weeks of the season, I guess eight weeks, but give me three predictions for the remainder of the season. Doesn't matter if it's player, team, whatever. Three predictions that you think are going to happen after seeing the first 10 weeks of football. Tom Brady's going to continue to pop off. We're going to see a huge win streak, and they're going to win the South and make some noise and potentially go to the NFC Championship game at minimum this year which now I'm going to just completely negate what I just said. Um, San Francisco against Philadelphia and Philly for the NFC Championship game this year. Book it, lock it down. I think that's what's, what's going to happen. And my third and final prediction, there has to be a meltdown somewhere. And it's so we, and I want to say the Dallas Cowboys for some reason, because it's giving me remnants of like, and again, I know I'm negating myself and what I, on the praise I was just gave, giving them here a little bit earlier but I could just see them going in a complete spiral like they had done a couple weeks or a couple years ago. Um, third prediction. Oh, Indianapolis Colts make the final wild card spot with Jeff Saturday. Fair. I'm just going to get fucking crazy with it. Yeah. Right. Well, you were right on crazy. So, so Thank you. some of those were right. crazy. Some of them, some of them grounded. I, I have to ask you this because Wally and I probably spent 10 minutes talking about it in the hundredth episode. Barring injury. Geno Smith, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Who's winning awards, MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Most Improved Player? Like, where are we thinking these players end up on the awards podium? Well, I think Jalen Hurts, MVP. Geno Smith, comeback player. That's just such a – that's just so easy. Throwing for a comeback player, even though he didn't really come back from anything except for a shitty career the first nine years of his life or nine years of his he's still NFL getting slander he still can't help himself but he's still getting here's my, slander here's my counter to that right so if jalen hurts wins mvp right does he also take home offensive player of the year in the nfc no because i think that you can make an argument depending on what justin jefferson's going to do that that dude's going to win offensive player of the year afc is going to be tyree kill i think it's going to be a wide receiver driven nfl offensive player of the year i mean tyree kill is on a ridiculous trajectory right now with being able to just shatter whatever record that what Cooper cup had just put up. I think he's well over like 2,100 yards that he can average or he's on pace for. So just to see him, especially with the quote unquote drop off, he was going to have here with Pat Mahomes now going to the most accurate quarterback in the league to a tongue of Iloa. I think that it proves that, and I've been kind of on the Tyree kill. I wouldn't say bandwagon, but I've been like, so eye-opened this year like this dude is a problem like th- it's not just the route running if it's just the hands or the get up and mossing people that are six to eight inches taller than you it's just miraculous what Tyreek Hill's been doing and then yeah so Gino come back Jalen Hurts MVP and then give me either Justin Jefferson or Tyreek Hill on the AFC NFC uh, offensive player of the year all right I don't hate it those aren't that crazy but with that one of you, please take us into the games that we wish were in email. Well, this could have been covered in email, David. We're going to start off with the Thursday night game, which, like every other Thursday night game, it could be covered in the email. The Atlanta Falcons go to Charlotte, where they were in the middle of a tropical storm named Nicole, and that bitch was hissing on Thursday night. Carolina wins 25-15. to 15. Deontay Foreman 
only being the third highest rusher in the NFL since taking over since Christian McCaffrey left. The QB controversy is still circulating, but P.J. Walker keeps finding a way to remain the starter in Carolina. This game was ugly. I don't know how Carolina won this. Atlanta really shot themselves in the foot. I don't want to talk too long, so I have my points of why I want to bash Atlanta here. But Wally, I'll toss it to you. What were some of your takeaways here on this ugly, disgusting game that we had to witness Thursday? Well, shame on me, first of all, for buying into the Falcons. As soon as I finally get over what seems to be a hate train for them, this is what they give me. Like I, Mariota will be benched in the next game or so. They have Chicago and at Washington. It's a perfect time to work Desmond Ritter in. I think he would have been in this last week had it not been for that bitch Nicole you were talking about. But this was the best thing for me. It was Donta Foreman and Steve Wilts. These are the stories that fire you up about the NFL. Two reclamation projects. Guys that you had no thought would ever get, whether it be a head coaching job. I mean, Donta Foreman didn't think he'd be in the NFL ever again last year. And look what's happened. So good for them. But I'm done with Atlanta. I'm officially moving on for them the rest of the year. Again. I think I actually agree because I'm so annoyed with like, I think I'm just done like on Thursday, I'm just done betting on teams that do the exact opposite of everything I believe based on their previous outcomes. Like Atlanta, I, it doesn't matter what happens. If I bet on them to do something, they do the opposite and almost the same for the chargers. Almost like there's a handful of teams, no matter what I do, their whole goal is to make me wrong. And Atlanta is one of those teams. So I think I'm just done betting on them the rest of the season. They just didn't play like the team I expected. Like, this is a team that was Not a run first team. I mean, they had games where Mariota only threw like nine passes or something. They just didn't, you know, hurricane weather. Uh, it was the perfect game to attack the Panthers with a run, and they threw the ball. I just don't understand. It's not what they did all season long down or not. I feel like you got to stick with your identity, whether it's working or not. When you're a team like the the Falcons run the football, needless to say, they got it handed to them in a, I wasn't expecting that performance out of the Panthers either, especially to, to your point, Dante Foreman. I mean, that was a, we'll see if he can hold, continue to hold, not just the the numbers, the stats, but the efficiency at which he's doing it. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out all season, but still, I'm just pissed at Atlanta. You are a run-first team going up against a bottom, I want to say a bottom seven rush defense going into the game, and you give Cordero Patterson five touches, Tyler Algier leads your team with eight touches, and Marcus Mariota throws the ball 30 times. 30 times! You have Marcus Mariota throwing this ball. What the hell? I don't think he's thrown 30 times the last two games combined. And all of a sudden you think, oh, hey, we're out of the dome in the middle of a hurricane. This seems like the time that they least expect you to throw it, Marcus Mariota. And what does he do? He tries to throw it from his back. I mean, this dude, that's a Josh Allen play if I've ever seen one. The Jacksonville Jaguars take a fat loss to the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead. Big surprise. They lose by 10. Kansas City does cover. Mahomes with four touchdowns. Isaiah Pacheco is obviously becoming that lead back as the season grows older and Jacksonville has lost six of the last seven man. Did they fizzle out hard? Jacksonville is like such a big disappointment because I think we all saw at the start of the season. It was like, Oh wow. You know, Trevor Lawrence is playing a boatload better than last year. Like 
Doug Peterson has this team actually competitive. James Robinson's playing great. Etienne is playing fantastic in, in spurts. Now that Robinson's gone, still playing fantastic. But, you know, there were a lot of things about this team that were like, you know, they, they could compete with teams. They might not win a lot of games, but they could really compete with teams. And then as we go on, it's like, ah, this is kind of more who we thought they were going to be. That being said, I still think if they have a great offseason, it, it could be a really fun roster going into next year. But, you know, they are much further away than I had thought five weeks ago. It, the Chiefs are going to chief. You're, they're going to roll everyone that's not a top five team in, in the NFL. So it's it's exactly what I think I expected out of this game. We knew it was going to be a weird spread with the nine and a half, but we knew the Chiefs were going to win. There was never really in doubt. And the Jags, they're just simply not on the same level. But if you are a Jaguars fan, there's a lot of good news I'd still take from this. Trevor Lawrence has put together two really good games here back-to-back, probably arguably two of his best games of his career to this point. And I also will end up having to apologize to Christian Kirk if he keeps playing like he did on Sunday. Two more touchdowns. $21 $21 million is actually looking like it might be a steal at the moment. But, David, we got to go to your team now. Dolphins, they, they're a great team. So you take solace in that. But, I mean, there are real problems in Cleveland. And it feels like the rest of the year is to figure out who or what they are, what these problems are going to be. To me, though, the story of the game was the Dolphins. To your point, Stephen, I'm so in on this offense now. We just have to kind of see that effort again from this new defense with Bradley Chubb? Look, this game went exactly how I thought it was going to go. I told you that no defensive line was going to allow these wide receivers in this offense to just roast our secondary. Now, I thought it was going to be closer because I thought the fact that we play quarters nearly all the time would at least benefit us a little bit in coverage. And it didn't in the first half, we looked good. Like it didn't look like it looked like my score of 27, 17 might actually hit. And then the second half, we just, it's like, we didn't want to play football anymore, which is an indictment on everyone on the team from player to coach to general management. After this game, I came to some conclusions that may end up being wrong, but feel based on the way, what we've seen this year, maybe right. Andrew Barry's if he has to make a large overhaul on this defense and it probably starts with finding a way to get rid of John Johnson. I think having no defensive tackles has exposed that our players that we thought were, were going to be all pro caliber players like JOK, who I know has been injured and, and on and off the field, but he doesn't look good without a good defensive line. I think it's because that good defensive line fills holes. And when they do that, his instinctual nature and his linebacking like nature looks even better. But without that, he looks lost half the time he's on the field. I mean, there's still glimmers of just unbelievable play from him, but he looks lost without a good defensive line doing what they're supposed to do. The same goes for Newsom. I mean, this guy, I thought we had another unbelievable cornerback one on the opposite side of Ward, and he's been terrible this year. And I think, again, it's it's a combination of a lot of things, but it all comes down to having no defensive tackles, no defensive line, like injured defensive line. You don't put pressure on the quarterback outside of Miles Garrett, and what you're going to get is 
longer times to throw out of the pocket, which exposes how I don't want to say bad our our secondary is, but they're not they're not Darrell Revis. They're not built to to lock down a receiver. Not even Ward's built to lock down one receiver for an entire game. I mean, he has the capability of doing it in the right scenario, but not even he is capable of doing that all game long, especially against Miami. I just think that that our D line needs so much attention in terms of not even just starters, but also depth this offseason. And I think we can get back to where we were last season with having a secondary that looks maybe a lot better than they actually are. But right now they're getting exposed because because our D line. I mean, like I I literally think nothing would change if you swapped out the defensive tackles with us three. I, I really like I really don't think anything would change. That's because we're studs. But I just like it, it bothers me so much. And then you get then you get people calling for everyone's head. I'm not gonna get into the fucking tweet I sent you guys this weekend about Miles Garrett. I don't think I have the anger management within me to talk about that and not start screaming about how I fucking hate the Browns fan base sometimes. So if you want to bring it up, go ahead, but I can't talk about it because I'm going to, I'm, I'm just going to like, I mean, we, we talked about a few weeks ago, but there's a small sector of Browns fans that for whatever reason, it seems like they hate miles Garrett, like truly root for his failure that yesterday there's tweets like, get out the milk cartons because we can't find Miles Garrett or something to that effect. But there's bad fans in every fan it's, base. It's, but but it's like it's like people are so stupid. It's like if Miles Garrett doesn't get two sacks a game, they think he had no impact. I just like I can't handle it because they're expecting Michael Strahan's sacks record year every single year. It's like, oh yeah, like sure he didn't get a sack, but you know, he only pressured the guy four or five times. I just I can't. I can't. Somebody Steven, you tell me your thoughts, Wally. I don't know. Somebody somebody well, give well, me my, off the idea that we need to cut Miles Garrett. Well, my fins are up. Boom, boom, boom. But at the same time, Tua, ever since he came back, and I got to look at the stack because, you know, I'm kind of talking out my ass here and I haven't really noticed it since he came back. But the dude's getting rid of the ball so quick. Like, there's no way that unless you're – unless my, even if Miles Garrett is running free, Tua's getting it out in like 2.3, 2.5, seconds. So, yeah. Of course, Miles is going to look bad here. I think you just nailed everything right there. I don't know about you, Wally. No, I was giggling the entire time because we do this every week where we put our teams in the it could have been done in an email segment, and we just magically think it's going to be quick, and then we always just go in on our teams, and it makes me laugh week after week. The New York Giants went 24 to 16 as the Houston Texans come up and visit MetLife Stadium. Saquon leading the Giants to victory with 152 yards, one touchdown. The Giants did struggle to put Houston away, but thank God they have Davis Mills, the man who has the most fourth quarter interceptions in the league, throwing his fifth in the end zone. I think it was to actually take the lead or at least go down by three. Nonetheless, Giants just keep churning and burning and winning, and Kenny Galladay keeps proving he's the biggest waste of money on that team. He got benched, but I, I wasn't even fast enough. But that's another day, another story. Saquon Barkley is on pace for 374 carries this year. For a back with that kind of history with injuries, I mean, that scares the hell out of me. If he can keep doing it, then this team can really make a push. But you're playing with fire, giving him 35 touches a game, and that's before the receptions. 
I who's got the most carries in a season? Isn't it Larry? I looked Johnson it up. Yes. I looked it up early. Something? You are on it. I think it's 420 or 421. Nicely done. I but like so you think about it, right? Like if that's the most, there's probably quite a few seasons where you're at like 390 or above from like Eric Dickerson or some of those older backs. Exactly. Like when George the game was season. different. Yeah. yeah and when all you did was run. Think, before right, that whole like, CTE thing came to light. I think the last running back I can think about with that many carries is like Derrick Henry three years ago. And like DeMarco Murray, like his last year in Dallas. Oh, they just that's fed right. Him that ball. That's right. They put, they gave him a boatload and then he disappeared afterwards, but we won't talk about that. To your point, Wally, that's, that's highly, highly, highly concerning. It doesn't and even take into account how often they use him out of the backfield. I just don't know how you, I don't know how you get comfortable with those numbers. Sure. He gets through the whole season, let's say, and, and he does get 370 carries plus he does stay healthy, do whatever. That's got to have a toll on longevity. Does he even play next year half as well? And I know that's shocking to say, but like, if you really look at most, I, I bet you most of those 370 plus carry seasons from I'm sure there's 25 or 30 backs I bet you if you take away like Walter Payton or or Eric Dickerson or like the different era even Barry Sanders right like those different era backs I bet you get a bunch of one-hit wonders well and they're going to have to pay him after this year so it makes you wonder if they're just running him into the ground with no expectation of re-signing him if they are it scares the hell out of you. We'll get into the San Francisco 49ers later, but like contrary to what they're doing, CMC had 14 carries to what Elijah Mitchell's 18. That is good balance this stage of the year. You want to do that. And Matt Breed is not a stiff. Give him some touches. You can live without Saquon touching the ball 40 times a game, including his receptions. Well, absolutely. And you can, to your point, like you keep, you can balance, San Francisco can balance that offense all they want, but you get to the playoffs and see you can give CMC 30 touches a game and that's going to be a whole different electric than what they're running right now. But as far as the Giants goes, I mean, they went through Barkley, even though it might come at a cost later on, they went through him. They proved it yet again. My only other comment on this game is that my prop bet actually hit, and that was Daniel Jones with two touchdowns, two passing touchdowns, and I think that means everyone has to follow me on the prop bets going forward because oh that was boy. plus that was money, like plus, wasn't it? Yeah, that was like a plus two hundred bet, and if you actually nice. bet it, you won quite a bit of money. Kudos! You got to give kudos when you when you uh, you got golf claps out of me. Notice, I love a good prop bet. I'm because more of a poetry I guy. Random. I love picking random player prop bets. They just. They, they are just wild and random and fun, and that's where I'm at. Bet for the running back to 100-plus yards in a touchdown. Anyone who's playing against the Houston Texans is cash money right now. Let's go, though, to another team that really kind of was a little surprisingly bad on defense this year, except for the first week. That was the Pittsburgh Steelers. They get T.J. Watt back. I'm so proud of this home run bet. Dalton falls to 3-13 and 13 against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Steelers, I think they'll at least be a fun watch the rest of the year with Watt back. More than we can say than New Orleans, who kind of self-manufactured a quarterback controversy because it's going to be Jameis Winston, you'd imagine, at some point. But Dennis Allen keeps saying, no, Andy Dalton just had a bad day at the office. 
there's been quite a few bad days at the office in a row now. At some point, do we want to win games, or is this a unapologetic tank? It's so tough because I said six weeks ago Dalton was their best chance to win more Me games. Too. And I, I I still think it's true. I just think there's going to be situations like primetime where, yeah, a bad head coach would do what I'm saying you should do and pull Dalton for primetime and play Winston. But then, like, there's going to be one-offs where, where he just looks terrible like he did against Pittsburgh. And I don't know, this game – Last time I looked at it, I didn't watch the second half. Last time I looked at it, it was halftime, and it was 10-10, and I was like, all right, you know, this could be a good one. And then close my eyes, reopen them, and suddenly it's it's the Steelers taking control and, and winning the game. I just – I don't know whether to put this game on T.J. Watt coming back and, like, rejuvenating the team or whether it's just, like, an Andy Dalton – stinker and like the Steelers are still very bad but we just got a really bad New Orleans team well you have it you have TJ Watts come back and I'm accusure I almost had to stop myself now I'm still trying to get it down here but I mean it definitely has to be TJ Watt I mean they held this team to 10 first downs three of three of 12 on third down 186 total yards and two takeaways now what also sucks is they're expected to miss Minka Fitzpatrick here for a little bit I'm not too sure what the injury was because to your point, David, I was not locked into this game at all outside of seeing it on the ticker or maybe on, on the red zone a little bit when it was barely in the red zone at all. There really wasn't that much takeaway outside of TJ Watt is back and this defense, even without Minka, is still going to be dangerous strictly because of the pressure that this dude can create so quickly off the line. The Denver Broncos continue to stinking it up. Man, they suck. They go to Nashville, lose 17 to 10 to the Tennessee Titans. I love watching them suck. Not as much as Wally, but I love watching them suck. The Titans are not as good, but just as sneaky, if not sneaker, than what they were last year when they casually just took over the one seed. They could be making some noise here. I like what they're doing. They, Derrick Henry didn't really have that great of a game, but Ryan Tannehill comes back. What the dude with the two last names who's sitting on my bench in our dynasty league, Wally, scoring 26 points. I can never remember his last name, but I definitely don't want to now because he really pissed me off if I didn't start him. But they're starting to get something going here in Tennessee. They're on a short week traveling up to Green Bay against their old offensive coordinator, Matt LaFleur. So we'll see how they do this week. Tennessee's making some noise, boys. I'm with you. The only thing that disappointed me is, and it, it could just be more of a testament to Denver's defense because they're elite, even though the team sucks. I am kind of sad to see that they leaned more Tannehill than Derrick Henry because while Tannehill was out, it was the Derrick Henry show. They were winning games, running the ball like hell. And Malik Willis was terrible when he actually got to throw the ball. So I was kind of looking forward to seeing that show, but with Tannehill being very efficient when they actually threw the ball, whereas I think he threw for almost 300 yards and and they they look like a good offense again because Tannehill's just drastically better than Willis, but Tennessee's going to win the South. They're a good team. They're not a great team. They're definitely a pretender. Even if they win 12 games this season, I would never, like, they're the last team I bet to win to come out of the AFC in the Super for the Super Bowl. But I like this team with Tannehill. They're not super special, but I think they're a good team. But Denver still sucks, and and it's a shock that, it's a shock that they're as bad as they are still. And I know Wally's enjoying it. I just can't believe that they're this bad. The Titans are the most fraudulent six and three team in NFL history. 
contrary to what Steven thinks, and it's going to come to fruition. It will. I'm with closer to you, David. I don't care if they're 12 and five. They're going to get steamrolled in the playoffs. I just don't respect them. Hand up. I have no respect for Tennessee at all. The Broncos, this is a stat. If one of you read it already, I apologize. If they scored 18 points in regulation each week, they would be 8-1 and one this year. And ironically, the only loss they'd have would be against the Las Vegas Raiders. Only bright spot I think I have all year. I liked watching the Broncos. Lose. This is this is awesome. That's all I got. Dude, the Broncos, think about how demoralized, and I know this is the email section and I'm I'm talking a lot, but think about how demoralizing it is, like not just for the players, but think about how difficult it would be to be the defensive coordinator and you got to hype guys up and be like, yeah, we got to do better if we're going to win games. Dude, it's not even guys, like that. I just like imagine how pissed the defense is. That's what I mean. The defense isn't even pretending like it's on them. They've been sending not so subliminal messages to the press where it's like, we got a stop last week, and then we had to basically go right back out. The coaching staff was telling them, we're going to need one more stop out of you. That's how bad it is. It's not like we can go down and ice the game in a four-minute drill. It is to the point now where it's the defense has fractured from the offense. It feels like two units. This team legitimately should be 8-1, and one too, because that defense, I mean, I mean, even though they've played some bad teams, for your defense to hold teams to less than 18 points in eight games, it's unbelievable. And I just don't – I can't imagine Denver doesn't fire Hackett after the end of the season because they can't get rid of Wilson. I mean, that's a – they've locked into at least three years of him, at least three years of him. But if your head coach can't get the offense going and, and you know, I heard Richard Sherman say it on a podcast, but he basically said Pete Carroll knew how to get Russell Wilson back into rhythm and make him look like a better quarterback if Hackett can't do that and soon you have to get rid of him you have to find somebody who can get Russell Wilson to look like a game manager and not bad not just straight up bad and so I I don't know that's all I got to say I will take us into two more horrific teams that I I'll be honest I didn't even watch this game but Arizona beat Los Angeles Rams at Los Angeles, 27-17. Arizona lost Eckerts to a season-ending knee injury. Cooper Cup, he's going to miss a couple weeks with an ankle injury. That makes me want to throw up of how bad the Rams are going to look even more. Boys, you tell me. I didn't watch this game at all. I didn't want to watch this game. This is ugly football. I'm out. The only reason I watched this, I'm still kind of like sour. I'm just like gambling overall just from Vegas. Not like because I'm losing because I don't quit. But it's just like, all right, I've been kind of like gambled out. I got some shit coming up. I'd probably pay for it to be an adult. But I was like, fuck it. I'll throw 50 on the under here. It's the backup quarterback. It's the backup bowl. And we get fucking, what, John? I don't even Wolford. know. Wofford. Wolford against Colt McCoy, three and one. Serviceable backup when he's when his number's been called there in Arizona. Three and one over the past couple of years. I think he signed with him in 2021. But, man, I mean – you know, D-Hop is going to ball. He made his whole career playing with backup quarterbacks, essentially, and putting up a 1,200-yard season. So you know he's going to do his thing. But good win for Arizona. Get back on the right track. But to your point, the Rams are so screwed if they don't have Cooper Cup. Well, oh, really? they got Allen Robinson. Yeah, okay. They're screwed. And if we have Matt Stafford out for an extended period of time, they're even going to be more screwed than they were before. Time to fade the Rams for the next month. 
you took my bit about the the over actually being the only thing worth watching in this game from John Wolford with less than 10 minutes left. Crazy enough. Yeah, fuck him. Yeah, I'd be pissed too if I had that. I am, and I did. I got to double check the stats. There's a chance I'll be angry on Thursday with you. But got to give Justin Hamlin a shout-out. He gave us a stat here today. 11-14 and outright as a dog, Cliff Kingsbury is with the Arizona Cardinals. He's 17-16-1 as a favorite. Only Super Bowl-era coach ever to do that with at least 15 games coached. This team is unbettable. It's unwatchable. There's nothing good in Arizona whatsoever. But, David, you you missed out on a funny story that happened in in Vegas. Just briefly, I got to mention it to the people at home. We're sitting at a bar, two sheets to the wind. We're watching Arizona late in the day. Who gets a score but James Conner? And he's got like a stat line of like 12 yards for 20 – 12 carries for 26 yards. And I just do this little side eye, and Steven's already staring at me. And we have – Gotten to under his skin so bad about James Conner. I just had to tell you, it traveled to Vegas. I say, and you know, I'm, you know, if I was in, if I was on the other side, you know, I'm going to be all over it too. So I don't want to be one of those guys who's like dish it but can't take it. But every time I just give like a smidgen of just like confidence, where I like praise a guy, and Wally just takes it. Talk about taking an inch and making it a mile. Wally is so good at it, and the whole I'm like, shut up, Wally. And yeah, I, didn't I remember even that say moment. Anything. I, I, I was looking nothing. right at you and you're like, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, keep fucking looking at the game. Last, last thing on this, because I brought that up for a reason. Eno Benjamin just got dropped and it's because James Connor had a 3.3 yards per carry game with two Stun. touchdowns because it's Stun. what he does. The James Connor lack of efficiency is astounding that he continues to get fed the ball. He's got to be guy. running back in the NFL, but Talking about total lack of efficiency and shit you don't want to watch, Indianapolis yes. beats the Las Vegas Raiders at Las Vegas 25 to 20. Buddy, I'm going to let you take this, but I just, take I'd like away. to reiterate that they need to fire Josh McDaniels ASAP. This Raiders team was such a better team under an interim head coach that I I think this is a McDaniel's problem and a nobody else problem. I know the season's over, but you take it. I can't imagine what we're feeling right now. I'm not feeling much. I'm really. It's just. It's over. Uh, it's finished. There's like it, it's almost like I don't have enough to say. I actually for the people at home because I had to edit it out because I, I was going to sound like an idiot. I even took tabbies just a little bit ago. Shout out to our sponsor because I had to be a little bit more numb to talk about this game. I really mean this. And I know this sounds hyperbolic. I think this might be the lowest point in the Raiders franchise history. And I want to explain why this is coming off of your only second playoff run in 20 years. The once proud Oakland, Los Angeles, Las Vegas Raiders. And They fired that regime. They played their defensive coordinator yesterday from that team. The Raiders have the worst-ranked DVOA defense in football and got worked by 54-year-old Matt Ryan and a high school coach. This defense gave up a 39-yard run on third and three with the chance to win the game. Nope. We had our franchise quarterback, crying in his press conference talking about how much it means to him and he doesn't feel like he has 
the same kind of there's the same feeling throughout the locker room. What did we get today in response? Josh McDaniels goes, I'm not really sure what Derek Carr's referring to. Great. That's good. What's Mark Davis say to all this? I think Josh McDaniels is doing a fantastic job. So we are now at a point where you know what's going to happen is that this is a quiet tank now. Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro got put on IR last week. That wasn't an accident. Now you have Derek Carr fighting what he knows. If he's, I mean, we've seen him emotional before, but not like this. He knows it's over. His time in Vegas is coming to an end. His time with the Raiders is coming to an end. And it's not his fault. His team, it feels like, has quit on him. Chandler Jones signs a massive ticket and then comes out and just went on a retirement tour. He has, It looks like he is so disinterested, and it's the entire defense. I seriously think this is the lowest point ever. Because at least in like years like last year with the John Gruden thing and the Henry Ruggs thing, the team and the franchise handled it the right way. They at least said, you know what? He was wrong for this. We're going to move on. And instead now, we have lack of accountability everywhere. You have a fan base that is fractured. You have a quarterback crying. And you have one of the most proud NFL organizations ever is in shambles. I used to say that the NFL was better when the Raiders were better. I don't think it's it matters anymore. It's the same as like the Pittsburgh Pirates. That used to be true. They were one of the best organizations ever. It doesn't matter anymore. You lose long enough, apathy sets in. And apathy is set in, not only in the locker room, not only in the fan base, but for people talking about the Raiders. I'm done. I seriously can't remember ever being so dejected. You lose games like the Tuckwell. You just lose a game. You just lost. You got robbed. That's different. That is out of your control low point. This feels entirely on us. And the next two and a half months, are going to drastically affect the direction of this franchise going forward. Because if this team doesn't even show a pulse, you're going to move on. You're going to get a Bryce Young. You're going to get a CJ Stroud. And you're going to throw them in this toxic culture with winning. is a, You're allergic to it. And we haven't played defense in three decades. This is the franchise Derry Rice chose to go to. The one that Bruce Romanowski chose to go to 20 years ago. I'm so disgusted i know i'm talking forever i told you last week david i'm done if they lose this game i'm telling you guys i'll give you my picks i'm done talking about this team i am done talking about this team trade Devonte back to green bay have him Derek take Carr, darren waller too i'm good if Derek carr and if this ends up being Derek carr's last season what are we doing here Devonte? You just threw this away. And I know I'm kind of just adding salt to the wound and then bitching about my own things here. But you do that. I mean, what the hell is going on in Vegas if that's it? You have one of the best wide receivers of the generation wanting to come here to play with his best friend. And you take that off that you don't lose one. You lose both. And Devontae's not going to want to stay there and rebuild because that's not what his plan was. So if that was the case and he knew that, he would have stayed in Green Bay or went, went and tried to get shipped somewhere else. It's bad, Wally. I, as much as I love bashing you, and you have your James Connors, your Jalen Rieger comments here, I can get under your scheme with the Raiders, so it's nice, but I still don't like seeing my buddy dejected like this. I'm a fan of the league. I am loyal to the brand now. I'm Rob Lowe hat. I'm going to start Rob Lowe in it. 
Let's get the energy up, boys. The end, the morale's kind of low around here. That's going to finish off our email section. Let's get into the Week 10 recap of some of these games that really stuck out to us and that we actually want to talk about here. Before we toss it over to the first game, we want you to know this Week 10 recap is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, and more, especially if you're our age where it feels like there's a college graduation, engagement, wedding pictures, baby pictures, 30th birthday parties not kind of hinting on anything I was at one this past weekend. They're happening every single weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself on abbyturnerphoto.com. That's Abby, A-B-B-E-Y, or check her out on her Instagram at Sawdad and Sapphire. Again, abbyturnerphoto.com. Week 10, first game that we had in the slate here on Sunday, we head over to Munich where the Seattle Seahawks lose, first of all, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That stadium was gorgeous. David, I know you as the, as the football fan, Definitely enjoyed it. Wally, if you've never seen it before, it was phenomenal. I would love to go over for a game. I don't know how much you're into a bundle. Robert Lewandowski, baby. You got to get the Polish out there. Come on, little Byron fan. Come on. All right, all right, all right. You look like a more Mario uh, Gomez type guy, so I didn't know if you're Lewandowski. But Tampa Bay finally gets a running game in here. A team that is averaging 60 yards per game on the ground erupts for over 160 yards. Tom Brady looking all right, two touchdowns, one interception, and also getting smoked or getting mossed on an interception from Leonard Fournette. Can't forget about that. But it's all about Tampa Bay's defense here. They held Kenneth Walker, who seems to be going on a tear the past month or so, only hold them to 17 yards. Shout out to Akeem Hicks. You clearly needed him back, and this is exactly why. But Seattle comes back to earth here a little bit, and Tampa Bay now with back-to-back wins. I know I kind of said it here a little bit earlier when David was asking me questions of what is one of my predictions here. Tampa Bay rallying off some wins. They got Cleveland, San Fran, Arizona, Cincy, and one game each in the division here to finish off the year. Are we about to sit back and witness a Tom Brady huge win streak here that's going to catapult them into the south and obviously making some noise here in the NFC side of the playoffs? Absolutely not. We're not. Okay. What We're not going to see it. I said, I said on Thursday – if Tampa Bay wins this game, I'm not buying into the hype. And I stand on it. They're playing a so-so defense. I don't believe in Tampa. Literally, we watched nine weeks of football where their offense was stuck in the mud. I'm just not buying into this team until they give me like three consecutive weeks of, of this. If you told me, Stephen, that you were right, all I can think about is Tom Brady getting into the wild card facing like Daniel Jones, round one, then Geno Smith, round two, then name another quarterback that is not even on his level and send him to the Super Bowl. And and if you told me they won it this year, it wouldn't shock me six months from now. But God damn it, I don't believe in this team. I, I really don't. They have to show me three consecutive weeks of good football before I even put that on the table. And it's more or less of just the healthiness of the defense. Like, you can tell how different it was. And like I said, Akeem Hicks, there was a stat I think that we threw in there. I know I at least saw it. I can't remember if it was one of you guys kind of throwing it out there. I saw it on Twitter. But just the difference it makes, I think it's like a full yard before contact with Akeem Hicks versus when he's when he's not in. And then it's almost a full yard, maybe a little bit more, of just overall rushes or yards per attempt with and without him in here. So he clearly makes a difference. You still have Devin White, Levante David in there. You have the secondary getting healthy. This team could just be, and they're about to hit a bye week. 
this team could be just peaking at the right time and getting their shit together. Oh, by the way, Tom Brady, 2-0 since divorce. Oh, by the way, looks like Giselle already found a new boy toy. Watch out, NFL. Wally, what were your thoughts, bud? Wait, Wally, before you get into it, Steven, you just made the greatest point in the history of defensive tackle points. Uh, so all of you Browns fans out there listening, Akeem Hicks, the difference he makes as one person on as a defensive tackle, it matters for a defense. I just like to throw that out there because that alone, take a he- Akeem Hicks, put him on the Browns, and I'll bet you that defense looks somewhat elite again. And I know, and I'm very, and I know him a lot. I've seen him disrupt it for, you know, eight, nine decade uh, as a Chicago Bear against Green Bay. So it, the dude is a stud and you can tell. And look at everything that they've had. If, if it was Nadamik and Sue, Vita Vea is a fucking stud. Love him. And then you have a key mix in there too. It's a dangerous front, a front seven that they have there. And with the healthier secondary they're getting. Just jealous. That's all. Wally, take us away. What do you, what's your, what are your thoughts on the game? No, I was just going to say, I, I'm like half a second slow to you guys each time on this game, and you guys have stolen like nine of my talking points. So, Good. I, first of all, great point, because I feel like defensive tackle is kind of overlooked the way guards and centers are on the offensive side of the ball, and it's because they're not as sexy of positions. And when you make a few mistakes, it somehow gets lost in the shuffle more than other position mistakes do. So I completely love that. And it's part of the reason, too, going to your original question, Stephen, I completely am with you on this Tampa Bay team, actually. And it's because of how their schedule sets up. They're a game up on Atlanta already. They play nobody down the stretch. I think they play one team with a winning record the rest of the regular season. They're going to get a home playoff game. And they're going to play the New York Giants. And they are going to beat them. And then go to the Pacific Northwest against a team they just really bullied. And because that's the the crazy part about that game. And I'm sure you guys are like me too. Even as a diehard Geno fan, I'm sure in the back of your mind, it, it's almost like, is this too good to be true? Is the other shoe going to drop at some point? And I was waiting for it in a game like this. And I guess the only spin zone that makes this a good, happy win or like loss for you, if you're Seattle is that this is a game that Kenneth Walker in the run game got completely taken away, and Geno Smith didn't shrivel up. He didn't look bad when you forced him to throw. He didn't do anything to really, like, wow you out of the world, but he protected the ball. I know he had the strip sack later in the game that kind of talking out both sides of my mouth, but it's, he protects the ball. And if you're a Seattle fan, you're fired up now to hear that you're talking about bringing Geno back because it's going to probably be a reasonable contract, you'd imagine. It was a game to me. It was a win-win on both sides. And I do think we would be remiss to not bring up how electric that atmosphere was. That was so sweet. It was unbelievable. It makes you want, like, screw Wembley, screw London. Like, let's go to Germany all the time. Because that was, it was probably like that at the beginning in London. But it was so fun people were not leaving 45 minutes after the game you had like pitch invasions it was so cool i and and it reminded me of a soccer match it It literally reminded me of like an electric soccer match because that's what they do that's what those soccer fans do they sing together they chant together they stay after the game they party they do it all right and and it might not happen all the time but that's what it just reminded me of like a euro atmosphere or something like not quite world cup atmosphere but like some kind of like really big soccer match 
and the whole fan base is into it. Yeah, well, and, and on top of that, too, it, it shows the different kind of, I guess, level of importance we place on things in different parts of the world where our fans, it's all about wins and losses, I feel like, and, like, rubbing in other teams where there, there's, like, a pageantry and a pride that comes with being or supporting your teams and what have you, and it's part of the reason why it's not going to stop in Germany. You know the NFL is going to keep pursuing other avenues, and if they're going to be like this, why the hell wouldn't you? This was a home run. I, the only negative word I've seen was Bruce Irvin tweet that the field conditions were brutal, and that's got to be better. They've That's got to be fixed because if we worry about turf here, we have to make sure if we're sending players overseas that it's safe. But beyond that, this, there's not a, a reason not to do this. This is a home run for everybody. Detroit went to Chicago. Sneakily an awesome game. I'm glad, David, you and I drilled that on Thursday about how fun this game would be to watch. But DeAndre Swift, he was unhappy entering the game. And guess like about his workload? He only touched the ball seven times for 12 yards. It was Amon Ross St. Brown, the sun god, who gave you 10 catches, 119 yards in this game. And it felt like for a while, because you saw Justin Fields dynamic on the ground yet again, the Bears actually set a record for the first time ever a team has five straight games of 200 or more rushing yards. And that's a direct effect to the offense are running right now. But this was 24 to 10 in the fourth quarter. And if you blinked, you missed three touchdowns. It was 30 to 24 like that. And go figure, Stephen, I'll throw it to you first. The Chicago Bears in a kicking problem yet again cost them the game. I know you're not too bummed out by the looks of it. Of course not. Now, let's let's set the record straight. Looking at you, Mr. Adam Alfonso, I've been enjoying watching Justin Fields. This dude is a freak. He's an up-and-coming superstar, and you cannot sit here back and tell me that the dude can throw the football. But my God, can this dude run the ball? He's thrown it so much better the last month. He has thrown – Literally dots to people. Sick. Oh, 12 for 20 for like 130 yards. That's fucking good all of a sudden. Get the fuck out of here. We bash Lamar when he does it. We got to bash Justin when he does it. But this dude is running. We only bash bash Justin Fields. We never give him credit on this podcast. He's getting better. I'm going to give him credit. He's getting better, but it's because he's doing exactly what I said the last two weeks, which is they're running him a lot, which opens the windows for passes. He's getting better. But he's, they're not throwing the ball like he's a pocket passer. He's a great runner of the ball. They have a 280-pound tight end. That's, okay. what, that's it. That's all they have. Brown. They can't throw to people that aren't open. I don't want to hear it. If you're a good quarterback, you throw him open, Wally. Right? Fucking right. You throw him open. The cheapest offense in football. The second cheapest defense in football right now. There is no talent on this team. They're not paying anybody. They have 90-plus million in dead cap. And if there's talent on the team, it's on the offensive side of the ball. It it is only talent on that team is at the quarterback position. You're telling me David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert. It's not affecting the offensive line isn't that bad either. The offensive line is not good. I'm so tired of hearing that. Like the grades are awesome. They're not good. But they're not a good offensive line. They're not. It's because they're protected by the play calling. Exactly. But to my point before I was brutally fucking interrupted. No, Justin Fields is a he's looking to become a star. The dude can run the ball the way that and half of these runs are broken plays that this dude has to get out. He just happens to rip it for 60 plus yards down 
down to the end zone. So as soon as this guy can, in my mind, consistently throw the ball as consistent as Wally thinks that he's doing it over a two game stretch, then yes, I think that Justin Fields can be something great, but you got to give an offensive line. You're in the right direction of the way that you're calling this offense to make Justin Fields run. He's running it up, but nothing, nothing is giving me just more satisfaction than watching a team for the first time in NFL history put up 29 points over a three-game stretch and lose every single one of these games. It is awesome. I love it. My time is coming to an end where I can hate on them just because I can kick them while they're down. I know these are eventually going to flip into wins, but you got to give their flowers, even though they're the most hated rival in my lifetime, you got to give them flowers when you can This kid's been playing out of his mind. Chicago's D is dropping the ball, and it's making me smile ear to ear every single Sunday watching them choke. But Chicago's got them. Get a couple other pieces with that fat salary cap that you have. Address the offensive line. All of a sudden, we have a really big offensive threat in the NFC North that doesn't start with Aaron Rodgers. But, man, Detroit needed this win more than ever. I'm not literally saying anything else in this game. I want you to put this in your memory right now. I want you to look me in the eyes because this is Geno times five. This is a storm you're not ready for next year. I'll take shit. You want to say, talk about it right now? That's fine. Remember these eyes. I'll right, be so here. I'll be here. To the fans, Wally just Come edited on. out a scene where he's lost his fucking mind. But um, we're going to move to a game that has, you know, Probably the game of the year, most likely yep. the game of the year, uh, with the cat, maybe the one a, a top five catch in NFL history. That might be a hot take, but it's up there. Minnesota 33 at Buffalo 30. Game went to overtime. A lot of shocking shit happened in the final like 30 seconds of the fourth quarter. Justin Jefferson with a catch that makes me forget that other guy in New York on fourth and 18. Boys, tell me what your thoughts are, because I mean, there was like every time I looked at this game, something shocking was happening. I was like watching it in awe. Like, I can't I can't believe there's a fumble on the goal line and the defense gets it after, you know, you just assume they're going to lose. I just there's so many things that happen. Just talk me through this. I think the thing that stood out to me first is it kind of reminded me of the Herm Edwards clip we grew up watching. I would just literally what if you were if I was going to go, I was going to say that. And I but I can't remember the I can't remember Miracle the at the so Meadowlands. So yep, Miracle at the Meadowlands. The first one because the second one obviously was the Deshaun Jackson punt return at the yep. end. But yeah, it was the the modern day version of that cuz that was the play that started kneeling to end games. And this was that awkward, very once in a hundred times that you can't knee it because you're at the one yard line, not even you're at the one inch line. So you have to go and you could tell the center and Josh Allen on that exchange, they were already worried about getting the yard. You got to just worry about the snap because you got to trust your defense. If God forbid, there's a safety. You have to have the confidence that you can give them the field and not give up 40 yards in 30 seconds or whatever it was with no timeouts. But to your point, though, let's say a team gets in this scenario again and let's say next week. It's not going to happen, but let's say next week. You don't know that. Do you go to the (laughs) shotgun snap and do you take the safety with 30 seconds left? You're up by one. And do you give the team – do you take that risk with a defense as good as the Bills? I don't know. I think you almost do. If you can't run a play 
And the worst case, like worst case scenario, you tell your quarterback, take the safety. Don't try and do something special. Just take the safety if you can't find an open receiver. Waste as much time as possible, but like I don't. What do you think? The no, I was gonna say, what do you think the percentage odds are to fumble on the quarterback center exchange on a quarterback sneak? We see that play weekly, and I would say it's probably like a one, maybe two percent chance you fumble. I'd much rather actually ever seen that happen. When we actually ever seen like not at the one at the end of the game, but like you've seen in general, in general, like even when people are playing through, like I I can't remember who it was right off the top of my head for some reason. I hate it, but. When people started kneeling and they started attacking, trying to cause Greg that Chiano. Exactly. We'd even, we'd even see that happen then. And, like, we rarely see this. So, for the fact of not only that, we also have Josh Allen, who just kind of squeaked out of this game with that shoulder or with that elbow injury, and all of a sudden this happens. But to, to answer David's question, I don't know. And I'm not going to play – I'm not going to play quarterback hindsight right here, but the Bills were up, like, 17 points. And their defense couldn't stop them all second half. So I definitely don't want to get the safety and then put that, put it right back in the offense's hands. Like, yes, I know that Buffalo just stopped them at the one-yard line, but I'm not going to take that risk knowing what the fuck Justin Jefferson just did. And maybe they have a little bit more mojo there in that offense. I don't want to touch that. If anything, okay, maybe you just take the ball and you run around the end zone, get a couple, get a few seconds, and then get the safety. But then again, you're only a field goal away from losing the game because it was only, what, a four-point lead that Buffalo had on them. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Me personally, no. You have to do the right thing and and not fumble the ball and just try to push for that extra yard to to end the game. And let's let the record show. Stefan Diggs also had like a top-five catch ever in the NFL that no one will ever talk about now because of what Justin Jefferson did. They had a duel yesterday between those two. Awesome. And 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 sorry to kind of cut you off. No, no, if you you don't, and if you don't understand why the duel was so awesome, was because Stefan Diggs wants out of Minnesota, gets traded to Buffalo for a first round pick. That first round pick turns into Justin Jefferson. Can you imagine if Justin Jefferson was on this Bills team? I don't think he'd be putting up the Randy Moss numbers he is. Maybe he does. I'm not sure. But just with that added on to it, just made the game so much better. Completely agree. The last thing I'd say on this is that I think we're all in agreement. It's time to at least, yeah, they might be fraudulent for their record, but it's time to at least take the Vikings serious. They're they're at least proving they can play with anybody. And the other thing is that I think this is the day that is going to almost live in infamy for the year for Buffalo, because not only did you risk Josh Allen's elbow unnecessarily, you lost that game, which gave the Chiefs what felt like a few weeks ago, an impossible lead in this home field advantage. And now you're in the more difficult division than the Chiefs. So it feels like the AFC is going to run through Arrowhead like it has for the last 18 years, it feels like. Don't look now. The Buffalo Bills are third in the NFC East. They are in third place right now. If Josh Allen can't get it together, can't get healthy or play better than he has the last three weeks, the Bills are in serious trouble, and I don't care if they make it to the AFC Championship. I said it weeks ago. I said it when they played each other. Whoever gets home field advantage in the playoffs is the one that's going to go to the Super Bowl. I'll die on that hill. I think there's a good chance all three of us are on that side. 
home field we're used to seeing in the NFC go through Lambeau Field. And it might not this year, but we at least got Lambeau at night in a standalone game we all got to watch. And what we all got to see is a little bit more of the Packers we're used to seeing. They beat the Cowboys in overtime. Christian Watson had his coming out party, four catches, 107 yards, three touchdowns. Could have been even better. He had a couple plays that rookie mistakes you're going to grow into. A couple deep balls that he didn't even know was coming his way. Could have been a crazy day for him. But I got to go. Obviously, Stephen, we're going to go to you. Green Bay, this has got to almost be this weird, encouraging meets frustrating watching this team because the defense played one of their best games without Stokes or Rashawn Gary. You finally get to see the offense doing well. And it's like, where has this been all year? Oh, exactly. And it was first off, just that first Christian Watson catch, just finally something to erase the first drop of the season against Minnesota. Weight off his shoulders too, you'd imagine. And, and you can tell how how big of a factor that was just to get that in there. And, he, and like you said, he even dropped a couple passes here in the beginning of the game. And now we have quotes after that Aaron Rodgers like, hey, it's all right, buddy. The ball's still coming to you. Let's get it. And then it turned out to be this game right here. So you never hear that from Aaron Rodgers or you never hear the reports of what the quotes are for Aaron Rodgers being encouraging for once, which is nice. He must have just he must have just been like microdosing and in, in a good mood because Mike McCarthy was back. But to your point, the defense looked great in the in the first half. I would have felt a lot a lot better if they didn't give up that two minute drill touchdown to end the half. But Green Bay falls down twenty eight to fourteen. They rattle back and beat a Dallas Cowboys team that was hundred and ninety five and zero when leading by fourteen or more points in the fourth quarter. Love seeing stats like that. Love doing it. Aaron fucking Jones. This is why you pay him. This is why you feed him. This dude is a problem. Keep feeding him because you can tell how much it opened up the offense. And also Joe Barry, what the fuck are we doing? What are we doing? How many times do we need to see CD lamb, Justin Jefferson, an opposing wide receiver pop off because you're too stubborn, not to just, just to stay in your zone defense. And now I have Josh shadow him. Yes. Okay. Jaw got burned on a couple plays. Good job. Find me a cornerback that isn't getting even a top cornerback. Jalen Ramsey was getting burned over, over this past year. We know what Travion Diggs can do over there. Denzel Ward gets burnt. All these dudes get burnt, but come on. You need to have him shadow the number one receiver if you want to see true efficiency from this defense. But in the second half, they stopped it when it counted. And over time, they stopped it when it counted. That's all I care about. It's it's a great game to build off of. And now we're in the same record, Green Bay is, as the four and six. We can run the table here in 2016. I'm not going to, I'm not looking too much into that one, though. I'm asking you a follow up right away. And I'm so glad you hinted at it because in the NFC, it's not the AFC. If the Packers go five and two, which is, it's, it's an ask, but it's not that crazy. Are you buying back in? Because I kind of want to buy back in. So I want to, and I think that they have a short turnaround. They're at home against Tennessee here on Thursday. That's a huge win if they get that. And I will be full on Green Bay money line against the Eagles, mostly not because I'm how confident I am on it, but how hot Green Bay is at that particular time going into a team that what's going to be 10 and 0. 11-0, 11-0, or yeah, 10-0, potentially at that time, where you know it's got to happen soon. 
you want, as an Eagles fan, you want to lose at least one game. No one wants that pressure of being undefeated going into the playoffs. And you want to lose to a team like that because you know more time, more likely than not, you're going to face Green Bay again and completely shellac them there in the playoffs. But we're not, we're going to cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah, you have Tennessee, you have Philadelphia, you have Miami, the Rams, and one game meets in the division left. I think that it's happened. I think the two losses are going to be Philadelphia, and I think that they're going to be Miami. But other than that, I can definitely see them going five and two on here. And the main reason is because of this game. They're going to get Randall Cobb back. They're going to get Romeo Dobbs back. Sammy Watkins, as much as as garbage as he is, he has to have half a Sammy Watkins game soon. He has to have it. He has to have like a five reception for like was it yesterday? Yards and a what touchdown. like the closest we'll get three for forty seven? That felt as Sammy Watkins y as we can get right now. There's got to get. There's got to be a Sammy Watkins touchdown game that's going to stick out, and I feel like it's going to be on Thursday night. I don't know why it's going to happen, but keep giving Aaron Jones the ball. Now you have Christian Watson. He has something he can build off of. Not saying that this is what we're going to get every single game, but you give a rookie receiver this confidence over somewhat chemistry that they have with Romeo Dubs. You're going to add back Randall Cobb here. And now all of a sudden this team that seemed to be extremely injury ridden is almost like Tampa Bay on the defensive side of the ball. They might be able to peak to their peak, not Pat Mahomes peak, but to that, this green Bay Packers offense peak, they could be hitting it at the right time. Now, will I buy back in? Yes. I'm never going to fully buy back into a Super Bowl winning team, but I think that this is, this can be an end of the season. You can hang your hat on something positive, squeak into the playoffs, upset somebody in the in the wild card round, losing the divisional round and say, you know what? Even though we're Packers fans, that's a huge win for us. Now let's go out and see if we can do something in free agency, which you know they won't. Let's see if we can go bomb a draft pick because I'm Brian Gunacus and I'm a fucking moron. But they have something that they can kind of build off of into next year where they thought maybe they're going to be dead in the water. So I like it. They're giving me a little bit of hope. But I do want to ask you guys this. What the hell was Matt LaFleur doing on the final possession of of regulation? They have an opportunity to go down vintage Aaron Rodgers, give it to Mason Crosby to kick the game-winning field goal with like a minute and 40 left, and they do nothing but waste the entire clock. Thank God that they won because I was having an aneurysm in my living room. I don't know what they were doing, but I got a lot of enjoyment out of watching Aaron Rodgers bark at LaFleur coming off the field. He showed some passion there. That's something I haven't seen all season from him. Do we think that Christian Watson looked good because Aaron Rodgers couldn't throw to his best friend in Randall Cobb? No, because, I mean, if that was the case, there's going to be other not quite like this performances, but good performances from other players. I just think that it, he kind of exploited and showed, like, when he's healthy, how fast this dude can be. He was burning people. I don't care if he's playing cornerback threes. That's a rookie wide receiver out of a conference and out of an F- FBS school that – most likely didn't really play any pro-ready cornerbacks or any pro-ready defensive players. So for him to kind of come in here, I like it. And and again, I don't think that it's going to be – I don't think we're going to see it over and over again. But And we're not going to get like a Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson towards the last eight years where they completely take over the offense. I don't think that. But I think it kind of shows that, okay, we definitely need to keep eyes on this and it can open up other receivers. And then when you get the full roster of the receivers back healthy here, then get it. My last thought, cut Amari Rodgers. That dude only has one less fumble than receptions. Eight receptions for his career, seven fumbles. Get him the fuck out. I really don't have anything to add. To answer your question, I suppose, you either have to come out aggressive in pass 
or once you run the ball two straight times, you run it a third. That was bizarre, but hey, no harm, no foul. It all comes out in the wash. You get a win, and the Packers are very much alive. Let's go to our last game of the week. Chargers go to San Francisco. 49ers get a win, 22-16. to 16. Chargers had 238 yards in this game. They got 10 points in the first quarter plus 15 seconds of the game. After that, completely gone. At what point is this not just a Brandon Staley problem and Justin Herbert might not be the guy that we want? Because I get they had a bunch of basically high school wide receivers out there last night, but even when they've had them this year, it just, I'm waiting for him to take that next step to become a superstar. And I feel like we just continue to wait week after week after week. At some point, this is exactly who the Chargers are. And you can say the same thing with the 49ers. A really good team, a contender, and the Chargers, a very fake five and four pretender. What are your thoughts? Yeah, be- well, because like what I just said, right? Great, good, great quarterbacks will throw your wide receivers open. It just doesn't feel like Justin Herbert has that. He has no chemistry with all these guys and and just the duck, duck, goose, the whatever it is, the fl- the round table of just wide receivers that are coming in that just can't stay healthy. I think that it it really shows how bad they want Mike Williams because he was still able to kind of put up some yards and put up some numbers without Keenan Allen, but without Mike Williams, that's where everything starts becoming a question mark. And now he's, he's down their top two wide receivers, but you still have Austin Eckler that can, that can be a game changer here. I'm still pumping the brakes on the Justin Herbert hate because his trajectory over the first three years, he's on pace to just shatter basically all the first three year records. If it's between yards, touchdowns, completion percentage, uh, and there's something else that I'm and like QBR some, or something like that that I'm missing on. So I'll get it. But I mean, it is clearly a glaring issue of what this offense is not able to do week in and week out without their star players in the lineup. So I, I have a, another slightly hot take. I think the issue isn't the players. And I really do think it's the coaching. And hear me out. At the start of the season, where would you have ranked Austin Eckelar in in Do you just call him Eckelar? Uh, I have to yeah, stop you yeah, there. Yeah, was it, I was thinking Eckler. in my brain, it's fine. Uh, where where would it. you rank him in terms of running backs and starting running backs in the NFL? It's like top five. Ooh. Going into this, I year, give him, you gotta I give him about, round out the top ten somewhere in there. Yeah, okay. We're all in the same frame. So somewhere five yeah. to ten in that range. Where do you think the Chargers are in rushing the ball this year? Oh, they're fucking like th- uh, third worst, right? Or like third worst. like that. They're rushing the ball 85 yards a game, third worst to only the Rams and the Bucks. Tell me what helps a quarterback more than a rushing game. Oh, we know this because our running backs also don't get the ball. The running game, David. But, but our running backs get the ball at like twice the rate the Chargers, uh, their entire running back room, even. Did he I, run it like four or five times yesterday? Yeah, I think he only had um, – I, I had to look this up. He only had six, six they, carries. They Justin played with Herbert the lead. Matched, yeah, Justin Herbert matched his running back total in attempts. At what point do we look at Staley and go, do you not know what you're doing here? I understand he's like a highly touted coach, but like why? I say that because even if you have a – mediocre line for instance if we're gonna believe the the bears are mediocre in offensive line 
they're still running the ball at an incredible rate. And if you yeah, can run the ball, if you can run the ball even decently well, Herbert's going to look 10 times better than, than he has this season. And I just, I truly feel like even with all the injuries, even with, you know, on, on both sides of the football, the Chargers would be a better football team if they actually ran the ball. And I don't know why they aren't. I just don't, I, I don't understand why they aren't. They're not only not running the ball and you brought up injuries, you're making it sound like the injuries are no, I know there's offensive line problems, but it makes it sound like it's the running backs. Keenan Allen hasn't played a game since the first week of the year. Don't fucking remind me. Mike Williams is basically yeah, I'm with dead you on to that, the world. Their best wide receivers, these top 30 wide receivers, top 10 for Keenan Allen, are not playing. And we decide this is when we're going to tick up the passing. I understand Eckler's good out of the backfield as a receiving weapon, but, I mean, that shouldn't be the focal point of your offense is the Christian McCaffrey-Carolina Panthers attack. And this is where I think having that defensive coach, and it's kind of becoming, you know, a lot of people are really understanding. It's like, why are we going to have a defensive coach when offense is our problem? Right. And I think defensively you have enough stars and studs that you can you can trust some a new offensive minded coach. It's going to bring a defensive coordinator that can get them to play at the same level, if not better. Yeah, Brandon Staley is awesome, but Sean Payton, Justin Herbert marriage is going to happen this offseason. All Sean Payton did was have like a perennial top 10 defense in New Orleans. It was, I feel like they were either like a bottom 10 or like a top 10 defense there. But towards the tail end, when Drew Brees was kind of losing a little bit of that sauce, that defense was hard to play. What makes you think that a Sean Payne wouldn't be able to bring that in there? doesn't matter if it's a defensive head coach. You have studs on that on that side of the ball. They're going to make it work regardless. Get an offensive-minded coach on there for Justin Herbert to really develop him a little bit more, heading in to the middle part of his career right now. Don't say that, please. I really don't. Are there like four locations where Sean Payton can go and the team is like scary as shit? This is probably the worst one, but I don't know if the Chargers are going to fire Staley. I don't think they will. Man, I don't, I just don't know. Cause you look at the, I, I, I can't say it enough. How can you not run the football with a top 10 running back? Like it only helps you. And to your point, Wally, while your receivers are down, who like at this point? Who cares if you're if you're losing? Run the football. Give Herbert more windows for these backup receivers. Run the football. I just I, I don't I don't get it. I I really think that's the problem with the Chargers because even though they've had injuries, if you ran if they ran this offense like the Browns run their offense or even like the Packers run their offense, where sure you're mad that that. Eckler is not getting the ball 25 times a game, but he's still getting it 18. And if you run the offense like that, I think the Chargers are a much, much, much better football team. It's just crazy to think what three months can do to perception. He is entering this year. Think about what was happening in AFC West. You had not only whiz kid coaches and Brandon Staley and Nathaniel Hackett, you brought in Josh McDaniels, who people started buying back into. You had Russell Wilson was going to shock the world, blow up Denver, and Justin Herbert was going to take the next step to become a superstar. Now, instead, we're looking at three teams that don't have an identity, that have coaching problems, that are not getting the quarterback play that we expected to get. Last-minute predictions, guys, and then we're going to wrap up. 
Game's already started here because as you guys can tell at home, we went a little long today. All three of us being back together, I think, got us all excited and wanted to talk a little bit Jazzed more. Jazzed up. We, we, it was high energy again. High energy in the gym, as you said, before, Steven. The spread was 10.5 points. I know it's already started. It's 7 nothing. seven minutes in. Where are you guys at? Final thoughts, 10, 20 seconds on this game. Fly, Eagles, fly. I got fly. nothing. I'm with David. Fly, Eagles, fly. Washington sucks. I have no confidence in them. They're going to move on to 9-0 and just continue to demolish everybody in, or everyone and everybody in, in their path. Amen. And hopefully we get Chase Young next week. Not this week, but it's coming. With that, that's going to end another episode here. 102 of Loss of Down. Shout out to all of our sponsors, tabbies.com, the premier, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market, and abbyturnerphoto.com, Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop marketing agency. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, at Loss of Down, and Twitter, down underscore loss. Let's get the hell out of here. Let's go watch some football. And I want to leave you guys with this little tidbit. No one really likes the quarterback records. Everyone likes to use it. Jimmy G, 10-2 and two as a starter when not throwing a touchdown pass. Wow. Isn't that insane? Why do people go to the quarterback wins record and then they leave that out? That is clearly not a quarterback winning the game for you. Just so we're clear, just remember that the 49ers are comfortable with this because they've spent 9,000 draft picks on running backs in a quarterback that's not playing. Never in a great defense. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's all. They're going to be making to, noise. I was going to say, can't wait to talk football again on Thursday. Go Raiders. Yeehaw. Yeah. Go Pack Go, baby. You better make that shit quick. I'm, I'm not going to. 815, I'm out. I'm not even giving picks anymore. Go Raiders. Let's ride. Ooh. <laughs>